Hello and welcome to This DVT Life. I'm your host, Renee Petrie. Hey everyone, awesome as always to be here. I think if you've been tuning in the last couple weeks, you've noticed I have a little bit of a weird voice, scratchy, sore throat. Um, This is not continuing for weeks on end. It's because I've recorded most of these before headed to my PhD residency. Remember the library stacks? Well, I'm still there. And today I thought I would introduce our summer series. You see, there's an interesting part of DBT that for a long time it was, you know, referred to as an embodied encounter in a play space. But actually, if you look at the text for practitioners, there's this interesting thing that a colleague of mine drew my attention to a while back. It's written that developmental transformations is an embodied, aesthetic, relational, developmental process of transformation within a play space. And I'm going to use that to guide our summer series. I've used it recently to guide an introduction to DBT, uh, to be able to sort of talk about the components of our work, and also make sure that included is not just the embodiment or the encounter or the play space, but actually the functions, you know, the aesthetic i.e. the dramatic medium, the relational component, which I guess is covered by encounter, but also the transformation and the developmental process of it, meaning it builds upon itself increment by increment. So our summer series is guided by this statement. Feel free, as always, to use any of this material to help guide some of your trainings or teachings. Um, As always, I'm working on little projects on the side to see if we can kind of put this together and help each other out in the task of spreading the word of DVT. But developmental transformations is an embodied, aesthetic, relational, developmental process of transformation within a play space. And today we start with embodiment and aesthetic. Embodied. I've been avoiding talking about this, not just with you all, but I mean, you don't know me well enough to know that I've been avoiding this, but I'm referring to the history that you don't even know, that I hate talking about and being embodied. The secret's out. Even though I know I should practice what I preach, I do not want to write about being embodied or having a body, or, or what my thoughts are about my own. Isn't that so messed up? That this vessel, oh God, <laughs> is that all my body is to me? A container? Jeez. I have a hard time exploring this thing that makes me a play object. My objectiveness, the instrument that I'm supposed to know so well. And simultaneously, I have a hard time not using it, oh God, it, in my work. So as usual, let's go back. I was the tallest in my class. In second grade, when we moved way up there, where the sun only shines in the summer and the lights keep things bright while walking home in the winter, I was the tallest girl, the tallest boy, the tallest person. I like to think I was even taller than my teacher, Mrs. Mayers, but I think about her 1980s hairstyle knocked her up a few inches above me. I hated when this was pointed out, how tall I was in relation to others, or when I was asked repeatedly over the years if I played basketball, or could I please help this person get something from the highest shelf in the grocery store. I hated that my shape placed me in a category, and one that's defined by you and your experiences and your learning in society. 
I wish it could have had my shape, my height, its weight, and its place on the gender spectrum, and its place on the color spectrum, and its place on the smelling spectrum, and I wish I could just be in relation to that. And maybe we could just play about it together. You always make it so hard for me to be in my body. Well, actually, let me start that again. That's an excuse. I'm letting you make it hard for me to be in my body. Perhaps because I'd rather not be in it. And it sucks to be me because embodiment is a big part of being in your body. And that's a big part of DBT. So we encourage stuff that bodies do to be in the encounter. Maybe not farting for real in one's face, as some little kids find hilarious, but bodies are a part of our work. Physical movement is encouraged. In drama and movement, forms of DBT, exuberant physical movement is essential. This activates the person, allowing images, feelings, and thoughts to arise, and encrusted social defenses are softened or collapsed through repetitive, engaged physicality. Physical fatigue contributes to the opening of defenses, as discovered by many other body practitioners. Strong physical movement may not be a core component in certain forms of DBT, such as DBT art therapy. Being embodied means putting something into a tangible form. Using my shape to shape the dramatic medium means I have to know my shape, or at least work to know it, and continuously revisit the process. That's right. Just like age, my body's changing and shifting, and transformations are endless. Well, until they aren't, and we all know what that means. I tried to hide my body, even though I didn't know I was doing that. And when I reread these writings, I often get filled with shame, yes, still, about how disconnected I was, or even still am at times with myself. Like, how can I claim to be such a good DVTer or one that's leading a DVT life if I have such a lack of awareness about self? And then I remember, time is of the essence. Time heals all wounds. Time helps me to remember that once upon a time I was clueless, and now, not so much. Well, at least about some things. There will always be things that I'm incredibly clueless about going forward, just FYI. But once upon a time, I didn't know I was hiding in my body. And now, I painted my breasts on paper for an entire year and strung them up on the ceiling of an art gallery. That's right! I got boobs, and they're hanging in your face. Take that growth and awareness. Ha ha! As if I lack connection with my body. Physical proximity is encouraged. The DVT method requires the participants to be in each other's proximal physical presence so that the non-repeating elements can be noticed. In audio or video media, these are highly constrained, and in written form, such as on the internet, they are almost entirely eliminated. If I am a source of turbulence, interacting with another source of turbulence greatly increases my sense of instability. No wonder that we long to look out to the sea, to work the land, to go to bed, and to be left alone. Our intimate relationships with each other are highly unstable, and all too often our attempts to stabilize them lead to their deadening and incrustation. If DVT intends to help us reduce our fear of the instability of being, then it's clear that this is best tested where this instability can be most found, in close proximity to others, rather than alone or with objects. Learning in the proximal environment is likely to be long-lasting and readily applicable. You're going to touch me where? 
Uh, my arm is not available for your touching at this time, sir. Think about how many times this happens when we say you cannot touch visible parts of my body. I mean, how many times does someone rush past you on the train or subway or an airport? Yes, I travel a lot. And they touch you without asking. Now, of course, I realize this happens many times in a traumatic and alarming way. But really what I'm asking you to consider is that boundary and physical boundary violations happen all the time. What we should be interested in is not when, what happens when the boundary is violated, but rather what you do when you cross a boundary. For example, you bump into someone you say, sorry, right? Canadians do this even if you bump into them. We say sorry right off the bat. But what we're trying to do in an embodied way in DBT is to bring in that physical proximity that we're all coping with anyways and place it into the play space for a conversation, an embodied one, a mutual one, one that is built together. Yes, you can touch me here. And I like it when you touch me there. And ooh, thank you for apologizing. Physical touch is allowed. The player indicates that he or she or them is comfortable with physical touch and will respond with touch if and when the player initiates touch. Touch is allowed because it's a natural human activity like speaking. And like speaking, it can be done ethically or beneficially or not. Speaking is not restricted because one can verbally humiliate or assault another person. But we expect people to speak with civility. The same is true in DVT concerning physical touch, which is that it must be mutual and not harmful and within the play space. I gave up tickling. I did. Don't laugh. I used to be very, very ticklish. And then after one long session of being constantly tickled by a client on my feet, I decided I can't let this happen anymore. I can't let the play be disrupted by my very real and sensitive ticklish feet. So I would resist and rebel against the feeling that I should move or squirm or allow myself to enjoy or laugh or anything. I disallowed tickling from then on. Next time, when we're in the play space, you can give it a try. I gave it up, and it's not going to come back. I decided that I needed to feel I could control and predict my responses. And this has to stem from my own history of some sort, I'm sure. My desire to be a shapeshifter and one that is outside the equation of the interaction. But that is unfortunately not how an embodied conversation takes place. It requires my body with its ticklish feet, but also my desire to not be ticklish. Both need to exist and both need to be put into play. I couldn't be so removed that nothing would faze me, but I couldn't take the entire space up with a tickle fight when I was trying to help a young girl be desensitized to the horror she witnessed at home. I needed to be present, but also human. Turns out this is really necessary when we get into the part of what makes DVT, DVT, aesthetics. Remember so far, developmental transformations is an embodied aesthetic soon-to-come relational developmental process of transformation within a play space. So, the aesthetic part. What do we mean by aesthetic? As if drama therapy is aesthetically pleasing. It's about pain and healing and the theater. No one cares about what looks good, we just care about what gets out, what gets healed, and how can we be helpful. Which is a really great thing, being helpful and getting it all out. 
But in DVT, when we talk about the aesthetic, we mean that the form of expressions produced in the play are performative and artistic. That's it. Which means caring a little bit. I mean, caring about the form. Not, it's beautiful, not if it's beautiful or pleasing or amazing or whatever. We don't care much about that. We do, however, care about the dramatic medium and using it to facilitate transformations, you know, ones that develop. Turns out that a lot of drama therapists hate the dramatic medium. We don't. We want to use it because that's what drama therapists do. They use the dramatic medium to facilitate change, www.nadta.org. I'm not saying that things have to be beautiful or always dramatic. What I'm saying is that the use of images and metaphors and structuring the embodied conversation are so helpful to what we're all trying to do, which is help. So, an example. He looked at me through his large eyes that were narrowed, intently looking at me. He held his stance rigidly. I gulped. I was about to be attacked by the strongest, most dangerous, and scariest third grader that I had ever met. Superman mixed with Batman, with laser-sharp Ninjago training. There was no way I could survive. We're not looking for pretty. We're looking for the drama, for the performance, for the art. This is not something to forget. So let's recap. Our bodies, yes, they're involved. Our art, yes, involved. And now we're ready. Because guess what? You all showed up today with all the things that you need. Because the biggest part of DVT is really exactly how you are now, in your body, now, and how you bring that into the conversation now, which makes it all so aesthetically pleasing without really trying. Because if you just really own where you are and how and make art with it, it's actually very beautiful. Really beautiful, in fact. Pretty cool, right? So there you have it, another episode down, and hopefully the conversation's still going strong. Feel free to give me an email at thisdvtlife at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, or any story ideas. Don't forget to subscribe at your iTunes store. Thanks again for listening. Take care and play on. Mm-hmm.